Thank you, Ben. And this is Tony LaGreca, and this show is called The Courage to Hope. We have a very special guest tonight. We're just going to call her Omar instead of her actual name because we're going to protect a few of the children that are involved in this discussion. So um, just to give you a little update of where we're at here with this, about a year and a half ago, I was involved with doing a film called What About the Kids? And What About the Kids was all about the grandchildren were being raised by their grandparents. And there's many reasons why that happens, but today it's happened more than ever because of the opioid epidemic and because of the loss of parents as well as grandparents in this battle of uh, the opioid epidemic. So, Omar, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me today. Okay. So, Omar has taken on three children who are her grandchildren, and I will tell you, I believe the ages as of break this minute are five, three and a half, and close to two. Yeah, yep. Okay. Uh, two, three, and four still. Almost well, the, but five, the, yeah. yeah. The four-year-old's going to be five <laughs> next month, a couple you of bet. weeks, actually. You bet. So um, let's go back to the beginning of why she happened to have them. Um, her son was living with a woman who was... I would say, was pretty stressed out, and they had kids pretty quickly. When I say stretched out, um, the mother of these children, her stepfather, which um, was very close to me, and who was raising her, he died of an overdose of of, um, methadone, and she happened to be the one that found him. And two years from that time, her mother died of an overdose, also from methadone, and she was also the one who found her. And about two years after that, her biological father died of a fentanyl overdose. So all three of her grandparents uh, suddenly, I mean her parents, suddenly died. And they would have been the grandparents on that side. Well, Alcohol got into the picture, and one day it didn't go right, and she had DCF came to the house because she had passed out out on the lawn with two of the kids in the house, and that's you just can't do that. And, and I don't blame her for that, uh, but it just happened because there's just so much, and they were, she was still living in the same house where these, both these two parents passed away, where she found them both deceased. And... Now the children are gone, and they go to, they go to, they're taken over by DCF, and there were three of them. So, Omar, what happened next? How did they contact you, the DCF? Uh, DCF stands for what, by the way? Um, Department of Children and Families. Okay, so how did you get in the picture, and how did and what what happened to the three kids once they were taken away that day? Uh, so it's a little complicated. DCF had been involved uh, with their mother previously. Um, one second. So um, grandchild number two, uh, so she was born with um, substances in her uh, system. So DCF got involved early on. Uh, 
So they had been in touch with me uh, months prior to all this happening. So um, they did ask if I would be willing to take them. I said yes. And a couple months later, that's when the incident had happened that you were referring to. Two, one. So DCF got a hold of you, and they made the connection. And you were saying uh, off mic that, that you had been approached by them two months earlier. Correct. And so, so they knew who Correct. you were. Um, but the kids didn't go to you right away, did they? Uh, well, you know, Adam was at my house when this all happened. Um, they came to my house on a Friday night <laughs> at, uh, after 11, they had the other children with them. They did show up at my apartment with, uh, some police officers. Uh, they took my oldest grandchild they took the three of them into foster care. And this happened on a Friday night, so of course there's nothing I can do till Monday. Um, the two older grandchildren were brought to me uh, by 6 p.m. on Monday. Uh, the other was a little bit of a fight to get her uh, into my care. My memory is correct. It took two or three months. Uh, yeah, so it took two and a half months uh, to get her into my care, and that was probably the, the most stressful um, time of getting uh, her. Yeah, that was that was uh, a lot of work on my end to make it all happen. Now, before this happened, you had a job. Yes, I did. Yeah, you had a job, and you probably had a small car, or you had a car that couldn't hold three car seats. Yep, I had a convertible and a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, I had worked hard for the things that I, you know, acquired. What? Okay, so now we, they, they, they're now in your custody. Uh, so they have all returned home to their no, mother. No, no, no. I'm talking about back. Oh, okay. The thing. When you yeah. got, you got the, yeah, so eventually got the three of them. But yeah. before you could get, when you only had the two, you you could probably get around with your car with two car seats. Well, but it was. I know it was one of those cars with not much room in the back. Yeah, yeah. And so so you, it was a uh, four seater, two in the front, two in the back. And so three car seats were not going to fit. No. So did you, you sold your car and bought I, another one? Well, yep. I traded in the car, sold the motorcycle, used that for a down payment, and uh, got a bigger vehicle that I could put three car seats in and has, has, uh, it has plenty of room for all their things that, you know, one would cart around with them having three small children. So. Right. Now... You bought a bigger car. What about your job? So I was working seasonally. So it happened to be that I was on layoff, you know, when they came. Uh, so that freed me up to do uh, a lot of things for them and get them situated into different programs. Uh, I did go back to work in the spring. Uh, I wasn't able to be dependable or reliable. <laughs> um, you know, talk about COVID and three grandchildren. Well, you I know, know I, all I'm very small. So little kids have a tendency to get sick pretty quick. Yeah, they do. They were there with other kids in the school. Yeah, and also uh, the lack of teachers and lack of staff. Um, that was uh, 
you know, that was tough and getting a phone call and me having to leave work and, you know, go pick one of them up or somebody had an appointment or, you know, I couldn't come in because this one was sick today. Uh, so that really put a damper on the whole um, ability to work. So how did you do that? Now, you had to drive two of them in one direction, and you drove the third one in a different direction because... That is correct. Two were in, <laughs> two were in Head Start. Uh, yep, the early uh, education center. And then the other one was in daycare? Uh, yep, so she was in um, home daycare setting. So what happens when one's sick and the other two aren't? Oma doesn't go to work. <laughs> she doesn't go to work, but did, the, did you still have to drive the, the one to school that, with the sick kid in the car? Yep, yep. So our routine, uh, the routine I put in place stayed the same, uh, but for me to have the freedom to do other things like work or uh, go grocery shopping or go to the laundromat. That's right, because you, you, you lived on the second floor. And yep. the second floor, you didn't have a washer and dryer. That's right. So you really had to juggle stuff. And even getting the three kids in the car is pretty um, pretty remarkable, considering that you had to have hope that they would stay up on the top of the deck and not come down while you were loading one or two of them in the car. At this, How did you maneuver that? Yep, so that was a little tricky. Um but that's what playpens are for. <laughs> so I'd have a playpen in the room right at the door, um, deposit one there, take the other two down, the vehicle's at the bottom of the stairs. So that only lasted, I only had to do that for a little while um, because there was, at one point, I could just carry one down on my hip. The older one held the stair railing, and then the smaller one walked behind him and so we all would go together. Um, I think a routine is very important. If you can get a good routine going, then you get a good flow. Uh, it makes life a lot easier, you know, when they're so little and you're um, multitasking at once. So, but I, I still think it's quite exceptional because you are a grandmother. You know, you're not their mother; you're the grandmother. And right. Without giving out your age, we'll say that you're, you know, you're, you're definitely older than most mothers would be at this age. Right. So yeah. that, you know, having a one, two, or three-year-old to deal with all the time. And that's the other yeah. thing people have to understand. This is a 100% of the time. There's no break. Right. There's no break until they're all asleep, until one of them wakes up. Right. <laughs> that's like... Yeah. I know, it's like it's early to bed, early to rise kind of deal. Yeah, um, and it then, was hard, and I am 54. <laughs> okay, all right, so we have that out there. But 54 with three kids under five years old is still a challenge. Yeah, so when they came to me, they were zero, one, and two. Yeah, that's... that's <laughs> that was a challenge in itself. Um, more also physically challenging with, than mentally. Yeah, and you also had to deal with the some emotional issues with the oldest one confused where's his where's his father where's his mother why is he there with you yeah what, you know and I know he made a great adjustment but in the beginning it was he was a little bit in the beginning it was tough he had a lot of situational anxiety 
some things had happened to him, uh, which we probably will never know because he's so young he can't really tell you. Um, but he did have a lot of nightmares and, um, you know, that was tough on him. <laughs> but I know he felt safe uh, when he was with me. So uh, it was a lot of work to get him to um, be a little bit calmer. Uh, making sure that he felt safe, making sure they all felt safe. Uh, that was the biggest goal, you know. And what about visitation rights for the mother or the father? So um, their mom did really well. She went into a program and, um, you know, she got her act together. They did some Zoom, you know, visits at the house at first. So that was good, you know. Um, and then they were seeing her once a week for an hour and then it just slowly, you know, went to two hours and then, um, because of COVID and all the restrictions, I was the supervisor for the, um, uh, visitations. Uh, so I set that up with my charge. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you, Bumsy. <laughs> that was very nice. I had a, they had a nice, um, room underneath the, the church part and it was a beautiful down yeah, basement they do a it lot was all, there to help the community. all well finished and everything yeah so but what about now the, the the mother comes and she's there for an hour or two hours she leaves um how dramatic is that how did that work well <clears throat> honestly for the first year um uh, you know the kids bounce back from, from their visits pretty quickly. Um, after a year, uh, when the visits started increasing, I no longer supervised. Uh, DCF took over with the supervised visits. And, you know, they'd come back to me, and it was a challenge for about a day just to get them back into the routine, uh, get them emotionally stable. Um, you know, that was... That was a little challenging. That did work out. They uh, improved on their emotional behavior after seeing her about six months later. So it wasn't so difficult for them to bounce back. They still had a little ways to go when they got home uh, back to my care you know, to get on that, off that emotional roller coaster. Uh, but they, um, they held their own for little children, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And they seem to be well adjusted. They are you know, adjusting. So I am familiar with the three of them. Yes, you are. Yeah. Uh, so they're home now. Two went home in September. The other one just joined them two weeks ago. Okay. So to get them home, though, yeah. It wasn't just like, oh, we're going to turn them back over to their mother. Um, she had to go to, um, I call it drug court. Yes. And do a program. And can, can you elaborate on what that's all about? So she did have a mishap, a mishap about six or seven months into her sobriety. She uh, had lost a little control, drank again assaulted a neighbor, and that's why she had gotten involved with the court system. 
So they gave her a breathalyzer. Uh, she did that three times a day, so it was forced sobriety. I think it was a good thing for her. <laughs> she did a lot of other programs as well as going through the court system. Uh, they had a lot of restrictions on her and expected a lot from her. So she did pull it off, you know, 13 months later. So it's not something that, oh, I'm just going to go and get clean and sober for a month and, oh, then I can have my kids back. Like, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So it was a lot of effort. I mean, DCF sometimes gets a bad rap because they just seem to be understaffed. But They're the, absolutely understaffed. Yeah, and, and we need to pay more attention to to the whole DCF program because this these are our children of the of the <clears throat> upcoming world we need to make sure that they get what they need both emotionally and physically and that they're safe absolutely those, those are the three big things i feel that need to they need to have we're having this discussion because when people hear about the opioid epidemic or fentanyl epidemic you know <clears throat> it's not just you know, some little article you see or hear about on the TV or you read in the newspaper, this is what happens to real people. This I believe it's also the drinking. Um, yeah. I think alcohol has a lot to play. Oh, in, in this case, it does. Yes. It's a combination. I mean, the overdoses come more often from drug use and both all three of the, of the other grandparents are the ones that... Um, they Absolutely. passed away. It's a tragedy. That was all drug-related problem. The alcohol came to the mother, but the drugs, if it wasn't for opioids in the first place, or the the whole thing with the Sackler family and Purdue Farmer and all of that, this probably would have never happened. It would have been a, a much different outcome, and but it isn't. And but in the meantime, it's the parents, the grandparents that are amongst the living that now have to deal with it. And it's not something you can just forget about. I mean, this, this is your, these three are your flesh and blood. Absolutely. And you, you, under all circumstances, you were going to be sure that these kids were taken care of. And yes, I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of different agencies out there, and a lot of people that I hope you're listening, <laughs> um, you need to make some changes. What would you change? <laughs> I would change a lot. <laughs> I'd like to hear that. The sad audience would yeah, too because so, you're living proof of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, changes need to be made now, not in a month, not in a year, not in two years. I don't think that anything is moving fast enough. I think that the issues that people are living through and dealing with that's uh, too much. You know, we can't wait four years for things to happen. We can't wait for this agency or this department or these counselors to debate everything that's happening. You guys need to step up and do something, you know, now. <laughs> yeah, they need to come to conclusions. Absolutely. I, I understand. You know, it's ridiculous. So can A lot of talk and no walk. It's... So when you say agencies, what, is there departments of DCF that don't communicate? I pre I'd prefer not to elaborate so much um, pointing fingers at people. Oh, I don't want you to be personal. Yeah. I just want you to be. <laughs> I could be very personal. Well, in, I could in, talk in, a lot more. 
So, uh, in, but in, I won't. Yeah. In general, though, what what what's some of the blaring things that people should know? So, mental health is a big crisis. Not having enough people to help individuals that have needs, whether it's addiction or mental health. You know, there's not enough out there. Uh, They're way overbooked. A lot of health insurance companies don't pay for a lot of this stuff. You can't just depend on mass health to cover everything. Uh, People really need to talk about what they're going to do, how they're going to pay for this, and then actually implement things to happen. There's, There's resources out there, but a lot of people don't know about resources. Um... I just think that we need to start doing more now. Like, we can't wait. I agree. You know, you can talk about it all day, but you have to actually do stuff to make things happen. You have to be a doer. You can't I mean, just talk about it. Yeah, I mean, and the thing that, again, to remember, kids have to have dinner every night. Yes. They have to have, they have, to have a place to sleep that's warm and that they feel safe. And then in the morning, they have to have somebody there to give them breakfast. That's right. And this is the thing that you, you have to sleep around around them, and hopefully you get enough in between, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what about money? How, did you, how do you manage? How does that happen? How do, they, how do you get food? And, and So uh, the food stamp program is a wonderful thing. I went a year <laughs> without getting food stamps. The Department of Children and Families did supply a stipend for the children. So that covered diapers and wipes and trash disposal, food. Um, You know, that was helpful for shoes and clothes and things that they need. There's a lot more (laughs) that they need than those things that I just mentioned. That was very, very helpful. Uh, I did go into my savings account, and I used quite a lot of that. Your so, own account? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, they're I, my I, grandchildren. Yes. I didn't expect to get a stipend. I expected to take care of them. Um, so how do you go shopping? Uh, That's another question. You take all three <laughs> of them shopping? Uh, no, absolutely not, especially during COVID. Nope. Uh, so what would happen is I would have a family member or a friend. I would give them a list and give them some money and say, you got to go to the store for me. So yeah, that worked out until uh, the day came that all three of them were in a program and all three of them actually went to the program. That would free me up to go food shopping. And laundry. Same and time. go to the laundromat. And run any errands and do any paperwork and everything else under the sun that you can think of when you have a family. So, yeah. So now they're back with their mother. and um, Yes, they are. What, how do you sleep at night knowing that they're there and they're not with you? So I think I got more sleep when I had the kids, honestly. I don't, I haven't, really, I'm not able to really sleep well. Yeah, I didn't think you would. No. I just, so. 
No. It's a constant thing where it's in the back of your mind. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if they're safe. How are they adjusting? What are they doing? Are they eating nutritiously? Are they sleeping enough? Are they being cared for? Yeah. You know, are they being neglected? There's it's just tough. It's tough. It's really emotionally tough. So, um, the listeners, what didn't I ask you that you want people to know? What didn't you ask me? Well, I don't think you have enough time. <laughs> no, but give me, give me a couple of things that we did not yeah, discuss. Yeah, so that. some listeners probably, if they are caring for their grandchildren, are very stressed out, <laughs> but it's okay. I was going to ask you, but <laughs> you said mental health. Were you talking about yourself? Um, no, no. I, I no, think I'm a good counselor for myself. Yeah, I, I a few people have talked to me and said, "Oh, well, you should maybe go talk to a counselor." Uh, I'm going to leave the counselors freed up for the people who really, really need it. I don't think I need counseling. I like music; it calms me down. I like to think about things and come to conclusions or philosophize reasons why this or that has happened. I can go for a walk now without a double stroller and a um, a wagon hooked up to the double stroller to take all three out. So that's a little... Yeah. Down, the, <laughs> down the steps and into the stroller and yeah. I, I get yeah, it. I did lose a lot of weight. <laughs> uh, I have gained weight back though, so that's a good thing. So if you're listening and it's really tough for you, I get it. You can give me a call if you want. <laughs> okay. You can find Sandra through a WMEX um, Facebook page. Just send a note, say, have Sandra get a hold of me. Sure. And leave your phone number and your name. If you don't have to, just leave your first name if that's all you want to do. Yeah, because okay. I have a lot more to say, but well, I we, know it's gonna, not going to be covered in an hour. <laughs> well, let's... Continue. What else would you like to say? Um, well, I would like to say that it's all right. Chin up, chest out. Just keep a safe environment for our children. Uh, you have to be strong and don't be afraid that when they go home, that it's not going to work out. Try to stay positive. That's, and uh, stay in touch. Yeah. You stay in touch, right? Well, yes. Yeah. A little too much, probably. <laughs> no, I think that's I'm about okay. to get banned from going over. <laughs> no, I don't think that's a problem. I hope not. It's it's uh, it's a tough relationship sometimes, and sometimes it's not. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, this. so just try to stay positive, and you have to. Be able to give someone a helping hand up and not a hand out. You want to be a positive, encouraging voice and try to help on that aspect. Just let people know that um, they're not alone and that there are people rooting for them. So now, DCF is pretty strict on their rules. From what I could see, that you can't, you can't like you couldn't go shopping and leave somebody else at the house. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. So DCF does have protocols. 
There are a couple people that you can choose to be queried. You know, if I needed to go to the doctors without children or, well, usually I just go in there at the program, but, um, you know, they, they are strict about me not leaving the children with anyone other than someone who's queried or their day program. You're saying queried. Yeah, background that, check, Corey. Yeah, for those that don't know that. Yeah, that's oh, I'm what sorry. It is. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's a background check. Yeah. It's pretty thorough. Yep. Make and it sure was you... just two family members that I chose of my family. But people have lives. They work. They have their own families. It's not easy to get extra help. So, you know, it was a challenge, and I did it by myself. Yeah, again, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, single that. grandma. So I wanted to talk about the film that that was done about two years ago. It's called What About the Kids? And it's a similar thing where the, the, the mother died, but the father was in, was sent to rehab. So the grandparents ended up with the child. And, um, and you know, the grandfather had to go back to work. Right. The, the grandmother was dealing with the emotional stress of the of the child yes. um, losing her mother at least in, in this case it was the grandparents in this your situation who died not neither one of the parents yes so that's that's right. that's, that's a little better situation everyone's situation is different, different. everyone's you know, we all might have something similar happening in our world in our lives but Everyone has their own story. They do. Yeah. And this, I remember some old TV show and said, this is the city and so many millions of people live here and they each have a story. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to tell you about one. Well, I want to True. point out, if you want to see the film, What About the Kids? All you have to do is go to YouTube and type in whataboutthekidsfilm.com. Whataboutthekidsfilm.com. And you can actually watch the full length of the film. There is one that's just the trailer, but then there's another one that's the full length film and it's free. And if you want to see it, um, there's something that I think is good for you people to, for people to watch in conjunction with talking to Omar here about sure. her experience. Sure. So, um, yeah. And how does the future look for you now? Well, I've been applying for jobs. I am not finding any luck. There are a couple of leads I have that I've uh, looked into and applied to. I think the toughest thing about trying to find work is you have to do everything online. You have to apply for your jobs online. You may have to go to this website and then it takes you to a different um, website and you apply here, but they are only taking their applications through this recruiting department or this, that, and the other thing. You can't just walk in and say, hey, I'm looking for a job. So yeah. the challenge is that because some companies don't even respond. They don't even acknowledge that you've applied for a so position. You don't, even, you don't even know if the... Exactly. If the paperwork has gotten to the, right. to the right person. But when or you anything. go to a, an interview and they say, oh, it's a two-interview process, 
we'll call you in a couple days with an either yay or nay. And they just never call. Uh, so that's a challenge. It's, it's a challenge. And also, I know it's against the law, but I'm about to be age discriminated. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. For finding a job. Everybody's hiring, but nobody wants to actually hire someone for a job. They're always saying there's so many jobs out there, but no one's hiring. Uh, there was a gentleman I saw on TV on one of the morning shows, and he was in the retail uh, industry, and he had said that there were so many jobs in the retail industry, they just can't find people. Well, I will tell you that I have applied for a retail position, more than one, and I don't even get a response from the company. Not even a, thank you for applying, we'll, we'll look at your application, or nothing, just crickets. Well, I would think somebody like a Macy's or a Target would be... Or a Kohl's. They got a sign signs in their window that absolutely looks like looks like they're looking pretty hard absolutely that sign and i would i would probably just walk in and say here i am give me an application and then they don't do that anymore only well i did find one company that actually had a paper application and yes i did apply for a job unfortunately they weren't hiring (laughs) oh but um i did make an effort to to go there and and do that so that's a challenge. Okay, so before we go, um, you, when you say you go back to the kids maybe too much, give me an idea on seven days. How many days do you see them? So I see them once or twice a week. Okay. I did show up unannounced a couple of times, but I had a good reason in my head that made sense. Um that wasn't taken very lightly. <laughs> I was told not to come unannounced. So I don't show up unannounced. But I think showing up unannounced is good. And I wish DCF would show up unannounced a little more often than they do. I think that would be really good since other people that are involved in families may not be able to do that. I think that's a key key. Well, I, I think um, it puts, visiting unannounced it puts is good. people... They have to be accountable for themselves. Absolutely. If they know that someone's may may show up. Yeah, I don't care if somebody shows up at my house because people were living there. So if it was a mess, hey, whatever, come on in. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, so, you know, you never do know what goes on behind closed doors. And that's, you know, one of the stress stresses that I personally have. So I want them to be safe. I hope that they're safe. I hope the adults in their world are smart enough to recognize that they need to keep them safe and do the right thing, not only for the children, but for themselves. So fingers crossed. Yeah, you have to remember this is a full-time job, and it's going to be for at least the hands-on job is going to last Maybe 20 years, and for some parents, even longer. I know a lot of 25-year-olds and 22-year-olds that are still living at home because you can't afford to live elsewhere. 
That's right. It's too expensive to yes. start off today. Yes. We're have a to democratic be. state. So how does that happen here? You have to have two or three understand. people living in one apartment to make it work. Why is a one-bedroom uh, apartment for rent for $1,500? That's ridiculous. Well, actually, that's pretty inexpensive compared to some of the new ones around here. Yeah. So, so that's something that I think people need to change right now. Well, we want to thank you for your time. You're welcome. And, thank um, you for having me in. I appreciate it. And we appreciate everything you've done for these three kids. And yeah, I'd do it have, again. Well, I'm, I, I knew you would. There's no question <laughs> in my mind. And uh, let's hope you don't have to, but hopefully you want to, you know, that they can come by and see you and, and yeah. make cookies together and when they're a little older and get this thing going. And Yeah, and I'd, like to, I'd like my role to be Oma to be again as a grandparent. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it is tough to be a parent again. Although I will tell you that when you have your own children, you're a parent. When you're a grandparent and you have your grandchildren, you're a parent slash grandparent. <laughs> yeah. It's a little different because you've already been there, done that. You've already raised your kids. So you've been exposed to, you know, the whole process. When you have yeah. your grandchildren, it's a little bit different. And also challenging with the situation. So situational anxiety is a real thing for a lot of people, whether you're a child or a grown-up. Right. It's Oh, it's, it's I never there. doubted that it, wasn't a re- that it was a real thing. Yeah, it's out there. You no, know, it's very real. So. Yeah. And um, now Christmas is coming. Yeah. And um, how does that, how is that going to work? I mean, last year Christmas was at Omar's house, right? That is correct. Yeah. So obviously, hopefully you'll have a time to see them over Christmas. Oh, Christmas absolutely. is on a Sunday, so that That's right, work. and Christmas Eve is on a Saturday this year. So, <clears throat> you know, so. my visit generally is on the weekend because the three are engaged in programs, which it's good to have community eyes on them. During the week. During the week, yep. yeah. So mostly I see them on the weekends. I saw them this morning <laughs> before school, but that's besides the point. <laughs> it's mostly the weekends. Right. Yeah, I'll go visit, you know, for a brief time. And they did have a sleepover at my house a couple of weeks ago on a Friday night. So that was fun. That was good. That's what grandparents are supposed to do. It was good to, to have them back the in the house, you sleep, know. But it's supposed to be the sleepover once in a while, yeah. not sleepover seven days a week. Absolutely. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so. yeah. So that was different than what I had been used to the past couple of years, just having them overnight and then returning them, you know, the next day. So it's an adjustment. I you can know, see that. It's an adjustment. So this is Uncle Tony, and this is the Courage to Hope. And Omar here, by the way, Omar stands for grand, grandmother in, yep, grandmother in German. In German. So for those of you who don't know that, um, you know, and this has taken a lot of courage for Omar to do what she's done for the past year and nine months. Yeah, I and, have duct tape on my Wonder Woman cape. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And um, and I really appreciate people like herself that can go out and can do this and hold the fort down so our kids can grow to be normal, healthy adults. That's right. Just do your best. Right. 
And thank you again very much for coming in. Thank you for having me. And we'll be back 